Hello, and welcome back to the Simple Faith Podcast, where, as always, we're exploring authentic Christianity for normal people. If you're new to the show, we are trying to demystify some of those churchy words and uh, challenging concepts and make them as simple as possible. Uh, My name is Dave Betts, and I'm here with my wife, Sherea. And uh, so far this year, we've already covered things like an overview of the Bible, uh, LGBT in the church, dating apps, tattoos, calling and identity, prayer, and much more. So be sure to check those out if you get a chance. And uh, if you are one of our regular listeners, thank you so much for joining us again on this adventure. We would be so grateful If you could take two minutes to pause this podcast and leave a review, preferably five stars, obviously, that would be great, uh, so that other people can find us too. We've been forgetting to ask you to do that, but it would be so great if you could review the show so other people can find us. So enough introductions. Shreya, we've got some big news this week, haven't we? We do have big news. We have added to our family this week. We got a kitten. We, we did get a kitten. We went to visit our friends at their farm in um, in a place called Gem, Alberta. And on their farm, they had these barn cats. There was about eight of them, weren't there? Yeah, there was a lot. There usually are on farms, I guess. Yeah, and it didn't look like they had very long to live because there's lots of coyotes and things oh. like that. And um, yeah, if you're listening now, uh, Dylan and Hannah and uh, Melanie and Cliff, the family who live on this farm, Thank you so much for this kitten. It was originally called Clark, who is one of our friends, and it turns out that it wasn't actually a boy, it was a girl. So we have now called it, are you ready? We've called it Katniss. Now, if you are not familiar with The Hunger Games, that will make no sense whatsoever. But because we are a big fan of puns and because we're a big fan of cats, we decided to call it Katniss. I can't believe I just said that because we're a big fan of cats. This time (laughs) last year, I hated cats and now we have two and we just got a new kitten like a month out from having a baby. Probably uh, a little bit on the um, risky, brave, um, spontaneous, reckless side <laughs> of things. But hey, we have a we have a kitten now, and she's pretty good. She's very cute. She's very cute. Yeah, so, a little bit of drama between the two cats, but I think they'll I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be friends soon. Yeah, Lila was not impressed with Katniss. She didn't like that. But anyway, uh, let's move on. Today we are looking at tithing. So the question is, what is tithing? And is our modern understanding of tithing biblical? You know, one of uh, the elders in our church always says that money is weird. And and it's kind of true. Talking about money often does get weird. But we are going to dive right in today. You know, I remember becoming a Christian at 19. I worked part-time for a grocery store called Waitrose in the UK. And I was really frustrated that I wasn't making more money than uh, I was. I remember visiting my friend's church of around a thousand people before I was a Christian. And I found out that the church was receiving an average of 12,000 pounds a week from their congregations giving. They had a slide that appeared on the, the screen. It blew me away. I couldn't believe it. I had no idea that people could be so generous. And then my friend told me about this concept called tithing, this this idea where Christians give 10% of their income to the church. And to be honest, it freaked me out. It made me feel a bit nervous. It sounded a bit weird to me at the time. You know, were people being brainwashed? Why would people do that? You know, I didn't have very much money, so I hope they wouldn't expect me to start doing that if I kept going to the church. But people did give. And one of the strangest things to me at the time was that people were genuinely happy to. It wasn't until about a year after I became a Christian that I started to give a portion of my income to the church. And I've given 
most months ever since. Uh, Shreya, do you remember your first encounter with this weird concept of, of tithing? Yeah, uh, well, because I grew up in the church, tithing didn't seem that strange to me because I was introduced to it from a pretty young age and pretty much everyone in my community was, was tithing. Um, but now that I'm older, I understand that tithing is actually a really strange thing for people who don't grow up in the church. And a lot of the times, even people who grow up in the church don't fully understand why we tithe as Christians. I think there's a lot of different reasons that people feel it's important to tithe. And some of those reasons are really good, but sometimes I think that they can be misguided or even harmful reasons. And so it's really important to know what the Bible says about tithing. Yeah, I think that's a really good word, misguided. I think so often with so many things, uh, people are very rarely like completely wrong or completely right. We like to have things as black and white, but often it's it's a little bit misguided, a little bit misdirected. Um, you know, we could get talking about politics here, but I'm not going to. We're not going to step into that realm deliberately. We don't want to do that. But, you know, people can get misguided by things that maybe aren't the truth or maybe missing the mark ever so slightly that seems true. Anyway, you know, if you're not a Christian, and let's face it, even if you are a Christian, some of you may have felt as though the church is only interested in your money. I've, I've certainly heard that argument, that criticism before. Have you ever heard that? Is it the case? In the next section, we're going to drill a bit deeper into this, this question. What is tithing and you know, what might we consider doing with the concept of tithing? So let's talk about the concept of tithing in a bit more detail. You know, when we use the word tithe, uh, most people, including me for a long time, would think it's just this like interchangeable word for, for giving, right? But uh, did you know that that's actually not the case? Now, according to the, the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, it, it's actually derived from an old English word for tenth. And the Hebrew word literally means uh, a tenth too. So to tithe is literally to give a tenth of something. It's, it's a concept that originated in the Old Testament. Yeah, I think the first place we see tithing is when Abraham gives a tenth or a tithe um, of everything that he has to Melchizedek in Genesis 14. So the concept of tithing has been around for actually a really long time. <laughs> yeah, a really long time. It's not something that's confined to, to Jews or, or Christians either, actually. You know, it's, it's something that has been found to have been practiced in places like um, Babylon, Rome, Athens, and you know, even China as well. So you know, broadly reaching there in the ancient world. But for Christians, it's very much an Old Testament practice. Yet one of the key verses we often talk about is Leviticus 27 verse 30. And it says this, every tithe, or, you know, literally in Hebrew, every tenth, of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Proverbs 3 verses 9 to 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. And then there's uh, Malachi 3. And this is one that I remember being talked about quite a lot when I first became a Christian. In verse six, it says, for I, the Lord, do not change. And then in verses eight to 10, it says something really interesting. Will man rob God? 
yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, the full tenth into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. So that is a great verse for pastors who want to get people to give. You know, test me in this, that I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You know, at first glance, it seems like an obligation to give a tenth of all we have to God. Every week when the baskets go round, well, we better drop some cash in, right? And then there's this expectation of us giving offerings on top of tithes. In fact, I've heard some horror stories in the past of churches that wouldn't let you be a member of the church unless you were giving a specific amount and they would check to make sure that you were giving a tenth of your income. And it had to be gross and not net. In other words, uh, whatever you earned before tax, um, not what you earned after tax. And some churches, believe it or not, have even been known to post how much each congregation member gives onto a, a big board so everyone can see uh, that that for me is crazy, but it's true. Some churches have encouraged double tithing too and really put pressure on. Uh, there's lots of these stories around. Um, my guess is that this is familiar to almost every Christian in any denomination, certainly in the Western world. And in my opinion, I think we're dangerously close to missing the mark as the, the global church on this. And today, I think Shreya and I are going to talk about why we think that. You know, firstly, and perhaps uh, most importantly, we believe that tithing is an Old Testament principle. You know, often you hear it treated as this, this strict rule, and you know, I certainly have. But here's the thing, those, those passages aren't talking specifically about money, are they? Did you hear anywhere talking specifically about money? No. I mean, yeah, you could argue that they're talking about wealth when it talks about possessions, but you know, to instantly take a farming principle from Old Testament times and simply assume that it applies to finances as well, well, that's kind of tenuous, a bit sketchy. You know, we're no longer under the Mosaic covenant. In other words, the Old Testament laws, some apply, usually because Jesus has affirmed them, but, but not all of them apply. Why do we assume that the tithe rule is applicable to New Testament believers? We don't offer temple sacrifices, right? But you might say, well, doesn't Jesus talk about tithing? And well, yeah. Uh, but it's a bit more complicated than that, I guess. You know, let's look at a few passages, starting at Luke 18, verse 9, talking about Jesus. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this way. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, you know, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. See, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So notice in that passage, the Pharisee boasts about his tithe. He celebrates his tithes 
and yet is criticized by Jesus. Matthew 23, starting at verse 23, says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. You see, there's another example there where Jesus is talking about tithing, yes, but it's, it's not in a positive light, is it? Shreya, you've got a few passages that you wanted to talk about as well, don't you? Yeah, um, another passage where Jesus talks about people's giving or their offerings is Mark 12, 41. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts But a poor woman came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. So we can see there that if tithing was all about how much money you're able to give or the ability to comply to a rule or tradition for what you're supposed to give, then the men who gave the bigger sum would be the ones being praised by Jesus. But they're not. It seems like the parable is pointing out that God doesn't look at the amount that you give or whether or not you're following rules on giving, but rather the heart behind giving and also the trust that you put in God when you give. Yeah, so you might be thinking, well, that's great. We can ditch the concept of tithing completely and we don't need to give any money to the church anymore that is fantastic well you know it's a bit more to that and if if you're feeling that way you know there's probably a heart issue there as well Uh, but in the next section we'll dig a bit deeper and see what the bible says about giving for us as believers So, tithing is an Old Testament principle, and we're no longer under the Mosaic law in the ways that Jews are. And tithing seems to be a principle that Jesus only seems to mention when criticizing the Pharisees. So how do we respond as a church? Yeah, that is the question, isn't it? You know, we might be tempted to say, like I said before, well, because we have this sense that the concept of tithing has been overplayed, and I believe it has, and over-legalized in the church, which I totally believe it has, maybe we should stop giving into our churches. You know, I've heard that story many times. I've, I've heard of churches who uh, people, friends of mine have stopped giving to the church because they said, well, I don't want to pay for so-and-so to go on holiday to America on a quote unquote research trip. And, you know, but the thing is, if that was our attitude, we would be missing something. Because although the New Testament doesn't talk a lot about the concept of tithing, it does talk a lot about giving. You know, listen to some of these verses here. Second uh, Corinthians 9 verses 6 to 8 says this, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You know, this doesn't sound a whole lot like 
an endorsement of the concept of forced tithing, does it? You know, you mustn't give reluctantly or under compulsion, right? But it does sound like a huge endorsement of outrageous, cheerful generosity. See, it's saying you reap what you sow. Look at Acts chapter two. This is one of my favorite pictures of the early church. It says this, starting at verse 42. You've heard me talk about this before and you'll hear me talk about it many times after this, I'm sure. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They Uh, ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. You catch that verse 45 there. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Now that sounds to me a lot more generous than 10%. I I don't think they sold just 10% of their possessions and their property. I think sometimes that was hugely sacrificial giving, don't you? Sheree, you've got a passage you want to look at as well, don't you? Yeah. um, Another great verse is 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. It says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Okay, so Sheree, just before you explain that passage um, and kind of completely ruining the importance and gravity of this moment, you said hearty, right? Not haughty, as in that guy's a real hearty. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, what the haughty. Charge them not to be hotties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear it. <laughs> Sorry, but, but that's, anyway, that's beside the point. What is the important thing about this? Yeah, uh, well, basically it's saying, our trust shouldn't be in our finances because finances don't always last and unexpected hard times can come in an instant. I think most of us know that, especially after everything that has happened this year. But when our trust is in God, we can be generous with what we have, whether it's a lot or just a little, because we know that God provides for us as children that he loves. Um, And that doesn't mean that we give away all our money to the church and we expect that God will eventually make us rich or that we aren't going to experience hard things in our life. But it means that no matter what happens in life on earth, we can still have joy and hope because God has secured our eternity. So as followers of Jesus, we are rich in spirit and that can never be taken away from us. Well said. Very good. And Sharia, I charge you not to be a hottie. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. Sharia is my wife. I think, think I'm allowed to say that. The next passage is 2 Corinthians 9, starting at verse 11. It says this, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, we could go on and on and on here, but the point is this. As followers of Jesus, although the legalistic rule to tithe is a bit tenuous, the call to radical generosity is is really clear, actually. If you're a part of the church family, then it's a really good thing to give. Remember, the the church in Acts sold their possessions and gave to those who had need. 
That's a crazy standard to set. That's an amazing, inspiring standard to set and probably an intimidating standard to set. How much should you give? Well, it's up to you. Are we saying that 10% is wrong just because the concept of tithing isn't one we see as this legal mandate? Well, no. I want to be really honest here, actually, and, and probably give you a bit too much information. You know, Sharia uh, does tend to call me a chronic oversharer, but <laughs> we, we actually do choose to give the equivalent of a tithe. We give 10% every month because it's a great principle, not because it's a rule that we have to rigidly follow. We do it out of choice, not out of compulsion. And that's the important distinction to make. You know, we, we make a practice of trying to exercise generosity in a, in a bunch of other ways on top of that, you know, either by uh, blessing people with, with money or having people over for dinner or meeting someone's need where we can. And are we as generous as perhaps we, we could be? Well, no, probably not. We're not saying any of this stuff to boast, but simply to highlight that although we are not recommending tithing as this hard and fast, strict rule that you must follow, it's, it's still a really helpful concept. It's a helpful idea to follow if you choose to. And that's the key thing. If you choose to, the question is, how can you live sacrificially for God in your daily lives? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I just want to go back to that Matthew 23 passage that we looked at a bit earlier. So Matthew 23, 23 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. The Pharisees here really focused on tithing, but they missed the bigger picture. I think something needs to change if our financial security comes above our security in God. Um, And I know that I have been guilty of that. I find it really hard to spend my money or to give it away generously. I kind of justify that by telling myself that I'm being wise with my money. Um, And don't get me wrong, I think that there is a healthy balance of being generous and also stewarding our finances well. Um, But I think that it's very easy to err on the side of caution when it comes to surrendering our finances to God and blessing others, Um, especially as people who believe in an all-powerful God who is able to provide for all of our needs. We as Christians should be the most generous people on the planet because we have the richest father in the universe um, and he is able to provide for what we need. Yeah, great point. There is uh, definitely a tension between uh, stewarding your finances well for God and trusting Him with your finances. And, you know, Shereya says that she struggles to spend money. It's so true. She finds it really hard even uh, this week. It's her birthday coming up um, in mid-December and my mum was asking her what she wants and Shereya has such a hard time asking for anything because she's just not materialistic at all. I am not that way. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would buy everything under the sun if I could. And so for me, the challenge is, well, I find it hard to give money away because you know what? I want everything for myself. And so there's, there's a wrestle there with my, in my heart to, to make sure that we are living generously and sacrificially for, for God. You know, I don't know what your church does for tithes and offerings, but you know, for us, in the last two churches we've been a part of, we actually haven't even bothered passing offering baskets around anymore. And it's not because we don't care about uh, having enough finances to, to, to do the ministry that God has called us to. No, it's, it's for a few reasons. It's because we don't want people to think that we only care about their money because that is absolutely not the case. And it breaks my heart that the church is getting a reputation for that being the case. That's shocking. You know, we, we care about meeting with God and we care about trusting in his provision. 
That's what we care about as the church, meeting with God and trusting in him to provide. But secondly, because, you know, let's be real here, the, the vast majority of people in your church know that it is a great thing to give into the life of their local church. Your people probably know that. If you're listening and you're a member of a church, you probably know that. You don't need a, an offering basket every week to remind you. And if you need an offering basket to remind you that, you know, it's helpful to give your money to the church and to, to serve the life of the church, well, maybe there's a problem there. This, this is uh, just my opinion, but I really do think that passive aggressively passing an offering basket along each row just isn't helpful. The outcome is that people either feel guilt-tripped into giving or embarrassed for not giving, especially when we live in a, an electronic a finance world where people can e-transfer and um, do stuff online. Not having any cash makes people just feel, feel guilty. And, and don't get me wrong here. You know, your church might do that and you might think that it's the only way to go and that's fine. You know, this is definitely not something that's worth falling out over. But for me personally, I just think that giving people one clear place to give, maybe at the back of the church or something like that, that's all you need. You know, a basket at the back, a spot on your website or something like that. Let people choose to give so they really can give cheerfully. Anyway, like I say, just my opinion. And in the two churches where we don't ask for offerings each week, we've actually seen God provide incredibly through his followers, through the members of the church. And yet in the last church we were at where there was an offering that was kind of passive aggressively forced upon people each week, uh, the offerings were super low. You know, that might well be a coincidence, but I'm not so sure that it is. So anyway, that's my rant over, Shreya. <laughs> yes, Dave loves a good rant. But I agree. I think how we do offerings is something that's worth thinking about as churches. Um, and even though we've mainly talked about being generous with our money, it's worth remembering that we can also be generous in other ways. Tithing wasn't just about giving money. It was uh, giving a tenth of all that they had. So fields, animals, spices. And there are ways that we can give to God aside from just our money. Jesus makes it pretty clear that we show our love for God by loving other people. Uh, and so we can do that by giving our time, by maybe providing meals for people, having people in our home, giving hospitality. Uh, that's harder to do now that we're sort of in COVID times. Um, but when we're not, hopefully we can, we can continue to do things like that. We can give our possessions, uh, the things that we own. We don't need them anymore. Or maybe even if we are using them, we can still give generously. And we can also give our abilities. Uh, we have a friend who knows a lot about cars. We don't know very much about cars. <laughs> Me and Dave are pretty hopeless. Well, Dave's getting better, but I'm pretty hopeless. Uh, but we have had a lot of car troubles this year. And our friend has helped us out so much with his knowledge and his abilities where it comes to vehicles and has saved us from some really devastating car payments that we would have had to pay if he hadn't helped us out. Um, and that is a huge blessing for us. We have so much more to offer than just our money. And there's so much joy that comes from being generous. Yeah, exactly. Shreya, that's so right. And yeah, big shout out to a guy called Donnie who has been amazing with our car troubles. Um, I want to summarize where we've been today. You know, we, we believe the concept of tithing, that idea where you give 10% as, as it being a forced uh, expectation on believers, we believe that that is wrong. We believe that that is an, a massive overplay by the church. And if you hear people saying that, I, I, I think based on what the Bible teaches us, that, that is, um, it's a bit of an overstretch. The Bible does not compel us to give 10% of our money. Having said that, it's still a very good principle. And the Bible does call believers to be outrageously generous. So the question is, 
how can you be outrageously generous with your finances, with your time, with your home, with your possessions, with your abilities? How can you be outrageously generous in uh, the life of the church, in the lives of those around you, and in the way that you serve God this week? Well, we hope you find a way. We're praying for you. We pray that we figure that out ourselves as we're on this adventure with God. We've got a long way to go and we are glad that you are with us for that journey. So that's it from us for this week. Have an amazing rest of your week and we will speak to you very soon. Bye. Bye.